Welcome to all our dads out there and moms. You are listening to episode 100 of the Fade You podcast. We are recording this landmark episode on Thursday, November 18th, 2021. My name is Matthew James. I've got my dad, my guy, Neil, here with me for this very special episode. Neil's a bucket boy. We'll get to that story with our guest here in a minute. Follow him on Twitter at Big Nelly Buckets. Neil, how excited are you for this one? We've been looking forward to this for a while. And we have, and uh, our guest has, you know, been wanting to come on, been asking, but we've, you know, we've sort of saved him, got the arm warm, he's ready to go. Um, we couldn't be more excited to have him on. He's ready to come in and throw some heat. So we are on Twitter at Fade U Sports. Uh, what we do, if you're a first-time listener, we, we like to tweet out good information. We Most importantly, we tweet out, we've got a Fade guy, we tweet his plays, that's Dennis. He fires at a lifetime 40% clip. That's over like 2,000 plays. He's horrible. We love him. Uh, so God bless Dennis. So follow us on Twitter. You'll get those plays. You can fade away. So if you do enjoy this episode of our show, which we hope you do, we think you will. I hope you'll consider subscribing to the pod. Uh, we've got a great catalog of shows. This is episode 100 for us. We've had some great guests on. We've had Kelly in Vegas on. We've had Adam Trigger on. We've had Joe Madden on. We've had Trent, the fade God from Book It Sports. Now, those are some wonderful people. But we saved the big daddy for episode 100. This man is everywhere in sports betting media. He's on every show. He has his own show. He's got another new show. He's very active. He's engaging on Twitter. He coaches softball. He's on TikTok. And honestly, from what I've seen, you may get a call from Dancing with the Stars sooner or later <laughs> from what I've seen on those. Some would say he is a man of many hats. He's been on the book side. Now he's on our side. He is the Sportsbook Conciliary at Sportsbook Consig on Twitter. Dave Sherapan, welcome to the show. Boys, what is up? Finally, we're able to get the schedules to work. And now I realize I'm being saved for the C-Note episode. I mean, 100. Congratulations to you guys for that. I do the shows. I know how hard it is to get there. I know how much work you put into it. It's awesome. Pleasure to be here. Um humbling to be here as well i gotta get on the list of dennis plays immediately like i need to know them as they come in because finding a fade a good fade is better i would argue than finding a good follow and you guys seem like you got den is uh is pretty strong over a lot of plays like that people need to know it's all there that's what our guy says the same thing he's been taking dennis's action for a few years now if you if you want to bet two thousand plays and come in at fifty four percent, then good luck with that. Oof. But uh, our guy fifty or forty six percent, yeah. So we uh, we've been doing well fading den. We just hit an all time high, an all time mm-hmm. high after uh, what was that after Neil? That after Monday yeah, he was he was Rams. So it was after Monday night we hit an all time high. So hopefully riding that. I, I think Father Father Joe says it best, Dave. He says. He says, I will never be as good as picking sports bets as Dennis is bad. Oh, that's all he needs to know. That's, that's, that's all you need to know, right? There. That's like, Father Joe. 
He's right. And I, I got to be honest, I did, I'm doing shows all over the place and talk to different people. This is the first show that welcomed in all the dads and the moms. So, again, you got the little niche. Everybody's looking for that. Welcome the dads and the moms. That's some good stuff right there, man. I like that. I like it. That's our uh, that's our guy, Chris. It's our term of endearment. You know, you're a dad. Neil's a dad. I'm not. I'm a dog dad, but I'm a, I'm a dad to all the, the guys on the show. So it's all oh, good. For sure. The yeah. dads and the moms. We love them all. <laughs> all right. Neil, how'd you guys meet? This is a great story. Well, it is a great story. And, and uh, Dave has shared it on his podcast um, once. And I'll, so I'll give the clip no version. But I have a, sort of a funny, funny take on it, um, Dave. I'm not sure that you'll remember. So we were last March Madness. We were at Westgate uh, with Kelly in Vegas through a very nice little shindig on, on Sunday. Um, Dave walks into the room, wasn't expecting it. I was like, holy shit, that's da- like that's Dave. Like we just had royalty, you know, walk in the room. And Dave's walking around letting people kiss the ring. He's taking pictures with babies. <laughs> you know, he's doing the whole he's doing the whole thing. I I get a little handshake, a little how are you? Um and then Dave goes out to to make the rounds. Later in the evening, fast forward to the very last game of the night, Dave wanders himself back into the room. He had let Dave, you had left your sweatshirt in the room. Mm-hmm. And it's just me, my buddy, Alex, and my buddy, Nick, in the room. Alex, Pittsburgh, Alex, Dave's adopted son, chimes in and, you know, asks Dave how his day, you know, how his day was going. And, you know, Dave, you were on Arkansas. We were on Arkansas. Yep, yep. That was the one we needed. It had hit. You'd said you had a good day. Um, my buddy, Nick, who's, you know, the outsider, he's outside of the sports betting world, then proceeds to ask, the sports consig himself if he bets a lot and all i could think about in my head was son of a bitch dave's gonna slap nick and walk out of the room that's like asking picasso if he paints or asking slash if he plays the guitar a lot like he's gonna be so offended at this question that he's just gonna slap us and walk out so i i slapped him before dave could get to it i say i said nick you don't realize who you're talking to like, how dare you insult this man? Um, is a, that part was funny. Dave, but Dave, we we stayed talking about Pittsburgh, you and Alex, you you know, you and Alex's oh. dad. We were there. We closed the place down. I mean, it was like 1130 at night, you know, that night by the time we left. We must have been there just, you know, talking stories, you know, for three hours. Yeah, it was great. And me and the boys, we still talk about it to this day. We We had so much fun talking because as the day went on, there was a lot of people in that room. That was the VIP room at the Westgate and they were losing some bets and like people get so mad and upset when they lose the bets. And like, I just know from so many years, like you can't control it. If you lose, you lose, like it's done. And people started weaning themselves out, weaning themselves out, whatever. So, I mean, I'm like, all right, guys, good night, whatever. And I, I did forget my sweatshirt and I come back in and we start talking. And first, you know, Pittsburgh, Alex, which is what I dubbed him that night. His dad played hockey against me. He went to IUP. I went to Penn State. We played against each other in a game. That was weird enough. Then we start talking about betting and all this other stuff. And then it's time to go. That lady came in and said, you guys, you got to go. Like, we're the last people in there. And she says, you still got room on the bill. <laughs> you got room on the bill. What does that mean? Little bit. Order order up. You got to get to the number. Otherwise, you got to do a makeup. Like, you got to. All right, so. What do we got to order? She's like, buckets of beer. Bucket, just get buckets of drinks. The boys are going back to San Diego. <laughs> They're not staying. They're going back. Like, what are you going to do with it? 
I don't know. Let's take it to the car. Let's just sort of, they order it. Buckets come with the drinks and then it's time to go. Everybody walks out with buckets. The boys, I'm like, look, these are the bucket boys. Let's go. And we walked out to the car and then I dubbed them the bucket boys that night, told the story on the podcast, cash considerations. And we've been able to maintain, um, you know, contact since we text now doing your show. It's great. I mean, that's what this business does, right? I say it all the time. The games bring us together. The business kind of brings us together. And then there's stories and stuff. And, and, and that's the beauty of all of this. So appreciate the story. Bucket. I mean, every time you text me or I see something on Twitter, I just go buckets. I mean, it's fun to say. It's a great nickname. I love it. It's great. Absolutely. <laughs> the picture is uh, iconic. Oh. These guys with the buckets leaving oh. Westgate just in in sweet, sweet victory. It's just it's unbelievable. It's such a good yeah, story. We, we we definitely won that night. We left the book winners. It was a good night. It was a Not good many night. do. Not many leave the book winners, but you Not on that did. March yeah. Madness weekend. Nope. No, you usually that's a it's just too many games and people overbet. You know, they get too excited, caught up in it, and especially because like Thursday, Friday, usually favorite days and they get some money and win. And then not only do you bet like all the games, you start betting the first halves, you start betting in game stuff. And by Sunday, you're left with what could have been. So true. So November, you know, we're recording November 8th. We're halfway through November. It's a crazy time. So how crazy is this for the book right now with NFL, with college football? NBA, NHL, college basketball. You said it last. The last thing you said, that's the nail in the coffin, the college mm-hmm. basketball. It's it's manageable up until that point. And then when this college basketball starts, it's hard. I mean, like, and I know just from in the risk room, in the book, the division of labor, it ain't always fair. But the college basketball guy, he looks like like, you know, He's worn out at the end of every day, and it's especially at the beginning of the season because the numbers are soft, um, the betting is very directed, and it's chaotic. Um, as baseball season ends, hockey season and the NBA start, and it's again, it's manageable. Um, and people kind of they don't put their just like they kind of put their toe in the water when those start. When college basketball starts, there's just too many teams and too many games. Somebody's looking at some game somewhere, and they're betting it. Now, you may only get, like, three bets on a game, but usually you get, like, a token small bet and then a couple limit bets on stuff you don't know about. You know, all of a sudden, the Maris first half, you need a decision for three dimes. You didn't even know what happened. You're like, wait, they laid two, they laid three. What's going on? So very chaotic right now. Um, you get a little bit of a break Thanksgiving week because a lot of people kind of take some time with their families as they should, maybe back. I just, just look at football, but then that week after it's full bore. It's everything going on at once. It's very, very busy time. Absolutely. I can only imagine, um, you know, I, I follow Rex, Rex Byers and Ben and Benson. <laughs> I just think about those guys, um, how exhausted that they must be, you know, going on a home Saturday. And, a sa- yeah. yeah, the Saturdays, the college basketball Wednesdays and Saturdays have become harder than NFL Sundays. NFL Sundays 
busy volume wise, but they still only went at maximum 16 games, you know, or 14 games because you got one on Thursday, like tonight, and you got one on Monday. So there's 14 games. It's manageable. Throw in all them college basketball games and they start early and they go late. So you got to kind of like the West Coast Conference, like where you guys are at. I mean, there's a lot of games and teams and stuff that people bet that they just know better than the book. And now if there wasn't enough, they used to call them extra games or added games and not book all of them. Now they book everything. They got seven digit game numbers and they're available in all these different apps. It's hard enough to just find them when you're, you know, in the book, trying to better find them on your app. It's, it's, it's a long, long season when college basketball starts. Yeah, I can, I, man, I, I, it's hard for us just as, as betters, you know, I, we have our little group text thread and someone comes in like just today, uh, they want, one of our dads wanted Duke. And I'm like, I didn't think Duke was playing college basketball tonight. Like, how did I miss that? Oh. No, he's talking about football. The football. Right? Oh, they're on football tonight. So it's, <laughs> Nelly, it's hard, to, that, oh, it's hard to keep up from a better track where I'm like, I don't, what, what's my dad trying to bet? He likes Duke. What are you talking about? That's the squarest thing. Like he never bets Duke basketball. He's not going to be, he, he knows it's over and he feels it's over inflated all the time. And all of a sudden he wants oh. Duke and then you have to like check yourself and, and go back. So it's confusing, you know, on the opposite it's side. It's very confusing. The guys in the book, you know, do. Yeah. In oh. the book, on the other side of the book for the dads, for the moms, it's confusing for everybody. When they play at the same time, when the football and the basketball play at the same yeah. time with the college, it's yeah. a nightmare. It's an absolute yeah. nightmare. So, Dave, when we were in uh, the Westgate, I heard your famous line for the first time, and it was going back, it was that Arkansas-Texas Tech game. And the room that we were in, there was five-figure bets in that room on Texas Tech. Me and my little, you know, quartet of, of guys, we loved Arkansas. It was our favorite play of the weekend. And we probably had $250 on it collectively. <laughs> yep. I remember, I remember Matt, it might've been you who said, you know what, you guys like were guests, like you probably should leave the sports book <laughs> while this game's going on. Cause we were excited again. It was our biggest bet. Yep. And we, we talked about that and you infamously said, you know, your most famous line. Yep. Give us a little take on, you know, nobody knows shit. So I've been saying it for years. I mean, this goes back to my time in Curacao. I mean, and I was just booking to numbers. Like there was no faces with anything I was doing. It was all over the phone and it was account numbers and passwords. And some of them were very colorful. So, you know, cause you would have been perfect. It would have been three, six, seven buckets. And you had to, you know, say your name, your account number and your name every time. And then the read back was, all right, you got this, you got this, you got this three, six, seven buckets. And then you would hang up the phone. You'd get the read. That was your confirmation. So I started taking all these bets and like, we had a, we had a preferred line from somebody who, you know, would give us the originator play first. And I was like, wow, this guy must really know something. And the guy I worked for that taught me the business was like, man, we just got to get his play first because there's so many people that follow him. He said, we're not not booking him. We got to book him and try to get on his side when he's hot. But nobody knows shit either. He loses too. And I was like, oh, okay. And I remember being like 26 years old at the time going, 
all right, I thought there was somebody maybe that knew shit or, you know, the bookmakers knew shit because they were putting up the lines. And then I learned how to do that. And I was like, that's it. That's all we got to do. Like, really? So I got immersed in it so quickly and so fast at a young age after been basically a better, I mean, I knew bookies and I knew bookies in college and all this stuff. And they definitely didn't know shit. They didn't know what they were doing. They were, they were owing me more than I was owing them. So I knew I was doing something right. Um, and then I moved to Vegas and I'm around all these people coming in with bags of money. I mean, I call them bad guys. Like they drop a bag on a play and I'm like, the person behind is, is you, you like, I used to have people come up and bet $5 after a guy dropped 50,000. And they're like, what'd that guy bet? I saw what he bet. He bet the, he, he bet the Falcons, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Did you see it? You know, cause I didn't really like to divulge people's plays, but if they saw it, they saw it. And they're like, Oh, I'm going to bet the Falcons. And I would just go, and he don't know shit either. What are you talking? Keep your bet. You know, if that's what you want to bet, cause you're going to blame him when he loses or you're going to be, you know, being like, oh, next time I should I should do what he does. Just pick what you want to pick and stick with it. So that's stuck for a long, long time. And then, you know, I'm out at the counter and I'm, I get to know all these people and I'm like, man, there's a lot of people that that lose that maybe say they win. Or there's a lot of people that are like under the radar. I call them ghosts that win. They don't say nothing. They're the ones you really got to watch. Like, and they're the ones that come in. They don't. They're very quiet. They dress down They make their plays and they leave. Those are the real OGs. I mean, those are the ones that like, they know a little bit of shit, but they also know what they don't know. They're very selective. They're not betting just to bet. They're betting to make a play. And when you see all that and you get it in front of you, and then like when I go back to the risk room, finally, after my, you know, stint in West Virginia as a director, I come back to Vegas and I get back in the risk room and doing the numbers again and going back to my roots, just like I was in Curacao, no faces, just names, or I get to usually hear a voice over the phone when they were at one of our books. And I'd be like, take the bet. And on one guy, you know, my, my boss at the time was like, what do you, what if he knows something? I'm like, nobody knows shit take the bet. So that's where it started. And it sticks. And like, it's kind of a metaphor for, for life, Neil, when you think about it, I mean, like if you, a lot of people are faking it as they go. I mean, you're doing the best you can, but do you really know? Like I'm the first one to say, I've been around this shit for 30 years, like in this capacity, I don't think I know shit. Like sometimes I feel like I do I'm wrong too, but like, I think the ability to know when you don't know, that's what makes you good because like, you know, like Dennis, you know, he don't know. He don't know. He don't know. He keeps playing. Like he should probably take up golf, but while he's not, he's making plays, you know, we're fading Dennis. So it's okay to be on the wrong side. Sometimes it's okay to be on the right side sometimes because ain't nobody knows what the right side is. Nobody knows shit. Isn't it? Lesson one, when you think about all the new betters coming into the marketplace, more states are legalizing this shit. And you got 18-year-olds now that in three years when they're they're new betters and their state might legalize it. And now there's all this content out there. There's all these shows. People are telling you what the sharps are on. People are telling you what's square. You talk about the geometry lessons all the time with the rhombuses and the parallelograms. It's just a lot of noise. It is. And, and 
Matt, you got to like, uh, so I get caught up in it sometimes now doing the shows and talking to people and things like that. And I have to, a lot of times just remove myself from it because it's easy to get caught up in it. And if you're good at writing or good at talking or good at, you know, social media, you can convey that you really do know something or that you are sharp or you um, are fading the squares. I've done away with all that talk. I, I went right to the geometry because rhombuses and parallelograms are just fun to say, and people don't get offended when you call them either one because there's no square. Everyone wants to be called sharp. Nobody likes being called a square. And man, if you call a sharp a square, oh, they're looking to take you out. So parallelograms and rhombuses kind of works. Um, it's all nonsense. It's all noise. And I think as far as like the media goes, we kind of have an obligation as people that live the business. I mean, you guys have jobs, your dads, you know, a dog dad, but you know, your dad, all them kids in the classroom, all that stuff. And like, you have to know, kind of have a responsibility like, Hey, hey, hey I, I hold on. I really like this, but to make a case for both sides of any argument, not just sports betting, but like, present both sides and then let people decide. And then you're teaching them a little bit about how the process works rather than just talking down or telling people what to do. I think we're going to see that kind of morph around a little bit. It may take a little longer to get there um, in the sports betting media space, but it will get there where it's good content that weighs out, not just telling people what to do. You talk about the media obligations. What about, and you've talked about this on your on your podcast, CLV. All oh bullshit. I mean, people are are hanging their reputations on on CLV. Oh, I beat the closing line, and and isn't that just more bullshit? It is. You always want to get the best number. Like that is important, but it's not the be all end all to winning. I've seen so many guys get the best number. I mean. I still got it. I still look and look at a board. I can tell you nine times out of 10, which way a number is going to move, but it's still got to win. And to hang your hat on the CLV that, well, I lost, but I got the best number. I got, I, I got a great closing line value. Listen, we, in the books, there's a report. It's a CLV report in certain software systems that show you, you know, you could print a parameter, set a date, set games, and see who beat the closing line. And unfortunately, that's the way a lot of models and businesses, books, are running their business and tossing people out because they're beating the closing line. And I've seen this report when I was at CG, and I was like, wait a second. Let's do a win-loss thing and compare it to this CLV thing because you can wipe your ass with this CLV thing. It doesn't matter. It does. It's what if the line sucks at the beginning, then you're beating a closing line. Like I think what's happened, the, the numbers used to vary more. Now everybody's looking at the same stuff and they're using, you know, who, if you don't bet college basketball and you don't use Ken Palm, you ain't paying attention. Like you gotta, you gotta look at that because books are using that to help set lines and betters are using that to find, you know, anomalies. Everybody's looking at the same stuff. Lines used to vary. Now homogenization of books and numbers, it's all the same shit. So CLV, you can have the CLV. I'm still looking. I've been in books all these years in Vegas. 
There ain't no CLV window. I put up the CLV can on my Twitter. People be coming at me like, what are you doing? It's fun. It's the city of Las Vegas, CLV. The cans are everywhere. So now every time I go for a walk, I take a picture of the CLV can at the tennis court, at the softball field. I go for one of the hikes in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing but desert landscape, and there's a big CLV can. That's where all them tickets go that when you laid two in a game close six, but the team lost outright, that's where they can go. Fantastic. I love that. CLV bullshit. Enjoy enjoy your CLV trophies out there for those. <laughs> All right, let's pause for a quick break. We got to read our our anchor spot. And then on the other side, we want to talk about all this betting industry, where this is all going. And uh, we'll come back with Dave Sherapan on the other side of the break. All right, we're back here on the pod with Dave Sherapan, the sports book conciliary. Neil, what do you got next? So, Dave, I've always been interested in you've you've we talked about it in Vegas and you've mentioned it. You know, you don't seem to miss being behind the counter. I mean, I think if there's one thing anyone that follows Dave, he loves being on this side and being, you know, on the doing social media, uh, giving people great content. I just, you know, as as media has evolved and really the, the sports betting industry, you know, it's funny how you talked about how books like in Vegas have consolidated, obviously CG doesn't exist, you know, doesn't exist anymore as it was bought out, you know, but at the same time, you have all these other sort of more national outlets like a FanDuel and like a DraftKings where they're all posting basically the same thing though, right? They're all posting the same line because you can get it instantaneously on different apps. I can go to a phone, my phone and I can see what FanDuel's got, what DraftKings got, what BetMGM has, you know? So I, I just find it interesting, like this sports media side of sports betting has blown up, you know, what, what is it about the media side that you love so much and where do you really see, you know, sports media going as, as it relates to betting? I love the business. And I loved booking the games. It was the other bullshit that I didn't like. And now I get to get that part of the business, watching the games, talking to people about the games, and seeing the results of what the numbers were and and, and what they end up every day without sitting in front of a screen in a dark room, watching a, a bet ticker go by and trying to get yelled at by my boss who asked, why did you let this guy bet this first half? of uh, Richmond and uh, Tarleton State twice. You didn't went to two, went to two and a half. You should have gone two to three, and it's stop. So I don't miss that part of it. Or the meetings after all the favorites win in the NFL, like they did a couple weeks ago. You go in a room and they go, why did we lose so much? Well, did you did, did the results, 12 favorites won and cover. It doesn't matter who you book, what you bet, you're gonna, you can't win. So that part I don't miss. The sports media stuff is fun. For me, because I've been having these conversations my whole life. So now I can talk about it openly and I don't have to do anything different. Like this is me. I'm doing this every day anyway. I, and, and now my routine is I still get up. I got my odd screen. I look at the lines in the morning. I think of like, oh, wow, this game would probably be big handle Oh, this game. Everybody's going to watch and they kind of direct the media that way and think about what people are interested in. Not so much maybe what I'm interested in. So I think. What we're seeing now is a is a is a gold rush. I mean, there's a lot of people jumping in this space that maybe have a media background and don't know anything about sports betting, or you got guys that know about sports betting and have minimal media background and 
can't really meld the two. So kind of saw a sweet spot in there because I'm a media guy. I mean, that's what I went to school for, broadcast journalism major at Penn State. I love it. I was a sports producer at KDK after I graduated in Pittsburgh. So I was covering games. And, I mean, there's a book by my, a friend of mine, John Lucas, wrote a book about Beano Cook. Haven't they suffered enough? I used to sit in the press box at Three River Stadium every day and listen to Beano hold court. I was the kid. And I was around all the writers and all the media guys. And Bino used to, before the game started, just sit and talk. And I was like, I would pinch myself going, this is crazy, man. This is just listen to a storyteller telling stories about sports. So now with all of that in the background, now we can talk about it with the gambling. You can marry the two. So I think it's a really interesting time. I think one of my favorite things to do is to not just talk about picks because I've had this discussion with so many people about doing shows and stuff. It's like, listen, I can make a case for both sides. It don't matter. I can tell you who I like. That's fine. But once that game is done, what do you got? Nothing. It's gone. The life cycle of talking about individual games and breakdowns, it's good and it's very directed, but it's, it doesn't have life coming in the book or living the life, whether it's in Vegas or whether it's a, you know, you live in Jersey. I mean, you guys are out in California. There's enough going on there where you can kind of talk about different things in sports. It's awesome. So I think the sky's the limit. I think um, you're going to see it change in the next year or two, because there's a lot of people getting uh, shows, deals, whatever, with the promise that they're going to bring people into the book to play whether it's the affiliate-based model or um, just, you know, somebody has X number of followers or X, you know, number of Instagram followers. Well, they're going to bring people into bet. No, they're not. They're really not. Sometimes it doesn't transfer. And if your content isn't good, it doesn't matter if you pick winners or you pick losers. People ain't going to listen. They're going to go find something else. So I think that's the challenge. And I firmly believe at least where I'm at and the people that I do it with, I'm like, the picks are the picks. The games are the games. Let's talk about the stuff all around it and incorporate the gambling information and then give people some tools to maybe get better at it. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm not. I will never sell picks. Ever, ever sell picks. Will not do it. If you want to do that, that's fine. I, if I can help you get customers, I will if you're legit. But if you're full of shit, man, I can't even do it. That's why, I mean, like the people at Wager Talk, I mean, they do a great job for what they do. Now, whether they win or lose, I give them shit all the time. Like, man, what are you doing with these games? Like, you ain't even, are you watching the games? You know, I go on every week with Teddy and, and Prez, and we give each other crap back and forth. But that's the fun of it. They're giving the crap back and forth and pumping your chest when you win and going like this, dun, 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 you know, when you lose. I mean, that's fine. It just... It, it, it's supposed to be for 98% of the people doing it. It's fun. And as long as you keep it that way, it's, it, it stays that way. I think that's the content that's going to win. We've tried to have a similar approach to our show as we've grown and evolved and done more episodes of, we started this July of 2020 middle of the pandemic we're like all right we're gonna let's we got time let's let's do this let's start posting dennis's plays let's get the pod going and it really was just this is what we would do if we were at a bar watching the games together like let's talk about the games and do what we would normally do 
And so we've also veered away from supplying picks. I mean, we got our funny bits. We got our guy, Chris Duke, and he's, he's playing the worst teams. He's playing the Minnesota Timberwolves and he's playing the magic and he both, he, that poop and he posts all that stuff, but (laughs) we're, we're primarily like, we just want to talk about the games and we want to give people some yesterday we we posted episode 99 we were talking about college basketball ignore the number ignore the little number in front of the school right now it doesn't mean anything no oh, one knows sure. no one knows who's good no one nope. why why is oregon ranked number 12 and they get blown out at home they get blown out by byu like no one knows anything it's, oh my it's god so. you cannot imagine someone asked me about the college football rankings oh earlier in the week and i was like listen i gotta be honest I've been in the books. This is this would have been year number 20. So I was in the books in Vegas 19 years and did the almost two year stint offshore. I never once looked at the rankings for any sport. It 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 it's no it's constant more noise. And I think it made us better in a risk room making numbers and it made you a better better because you don't you can get tainted by that you know ranking rather than use it for any good information. Look at the number on the right, not the number on the left. That ranking number don't mean anything. It's the point spread number that means something. And at some point, maybe in my lifetime, these people that do the bowl games are going to go, you know what, let's ask some people to make numbers and actually take bets on this stuff, who the best four teams are or who the best eight teams are. Because we could tell you based on, taking bets and, and moving numbers and watching games, like not on who's going to bring the most fans or who lost early in this season and all that other crap. It's just too, it's too much. It's big poop. It'll never, it'll never happen because it's what you said is too logical and it makes too much sense. And so it'll never happen. Of course. You're right. So everybody's got a show. Everybody's got a podcast. Yep. As the space grows, that's going to continue to happen. How do people, we talked about the the new betters entering the market in new states and people growing up, they're going to be old enough to bet. Now, how do people know what's good and what's not in this? Just, I mean, sometimes it's an echo chamber and and there's so much content out there now. It's ESPN. Neil said it's FanDuel and wage. I mean, wait till they're producing there. I have their own content. Yep. How do you know what's good and what's bad? I think one it's trial and error. You got to You got to like try different things or listen to different things. And if it catches you, you keep going back to it. And if it doesn't move on, there's somewhere else to go. Um, I think as the provider, as the content people, the best advice I got was, was was from uh, a guy who said, don't change, just be you like, just be real. If you're fake, you'll get sniffed out and you'll get stepped on like a big pile of steaming poop in a heartbeat. You're done. You got no shot. If you're faking it, I used to say it all the time when we would train new writers. I must have trained literally a thousand people in my times in the books. They're like, go sit with Dave. He'll tell you what to do. And I was like, another one. All right, let's go. And I would tell them, listen, they're going to, they're going to sniff you out like fresh meat. Like the, the regulars are going to come and find you. Well, now we're all, we're all like dogs right now trying to find good content. They're going to find you. And they're going to find the big ones with the biggest followings first. And then if they don't hit them there, they're going to keep looking. If you're not real and you're kind of putting on a show, but it's really not a show, it's it's fake, you're done. 
So for new people, man, I, I think you got to like, you got to educate yourself first before you even know what's good and what's not right. Like think about how many times you guys have had to learn and like read stuff or you get to talk to people and you're like, man, this guy's real. Like, or, or this girl knows what she's talking about. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of listen to what she's saying. And then you kind of build that self-knowledge, which will then let you determine what's good, what weighs out, what doesn't. And then you go from there. Yeah, Dave, I don't know if you heard on Monday, there was a very, very popular media outlet that all picked the Rams to win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every single one of their, uh, their you know, brilliant announcers who do this for a living yeah. at the Rams. And, so, well, and I think that same network is all on the Pats tonight. So Of course. So. But, like, everybody can be right sometimes. Like, and a lot of times, there's a lot of people doing this stuff on TV that are TV people. They don't know about betting. They don't even know what the line is. They just have to get asked, you know, three hours before the show. I'm learning how all this works, especially now. Like when you do this stuff, the graphics aren't even right sometimes because the line by the time the game kicks ain't what it was three hours ago when a guy built the graphics. And that's like people in the business go, man, these people don't even know what they're talking about. They do and they don't. There's different challenges involved in it. But asking like the Monday night football crew to pick the game, you know, I mean, think about it. They're putting players in these shows, in these positions. When you sign that contract to play in the league, you sign it. You ain't ever going to bet. And if you do, you're out. So they don't know nothing about betting, especially their sport. Like, so asking a football player what he thinks about the line a year after he retired, I mean, like, he ain't supposed to know. Probably does. But a lot of the, you, like, I've interviewed some of these guys. They never once looked at the spread. I had Matthew Barnaby on my show from, from the NHL and he was oh, yeah. a nut. I mean, he was crazy, but he's like, he's like, we didn't look at that shit. We played cards. That's how we gambled. He's like, I mean, we knew when we didn't have a chance, we knew when we had a bad, I mean, he played on some bad teams. He, I, I joke with him and he has half the NHL in his collection uh, of uniforms, yeah. but he used to, I mean, they used to gamble playing cards. So he's a big card player, not a big sports better. Now he's doing sports betting content. So, you know, we text all the time, but, but guys like that, they want to learn. So they get better at it. That's what's going to weigh out. But asking these guys to throw them in there and say, hey, would you go over or under in this game? Like, uh, over? Oh, you know, like they don't know. I think there was, a, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think it was a quote from uh, the movie Wolf of Wall Street, where they talk about guys on Wall Street. And it's sort of similar, I thought, where it's, you know, you'll never get fired telling somebody to buy IBM. <laughs> right exactly that's that so, from that movie it's right, right. You're so right. from from the you know media perspective you know in a game like the rams you know eight and two coming in just got odell beckham jr you'll never get fired telling someone to t take the rams right right like you, you're wrong too many times taking the smelly dog sometimes yep okay thanks we'll you know we'll see you next time or Right. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But, you know, you just pick the Rams, you pick the square, the sky, I don't want to call it square, but you pick the right. square side. You're yeah. not going to get fired because, yeah, sure, they should have one. Alabama should cover every game. Of You'll course. never get fired just firing and telling people to fire Alabama. So right. I always thought that was kind of, you know, it, it was a good segue. It's true. It's hard to, to veer off of that because you don't have the backing a lot of times to really, you know, go off script, I would say. 
Like you, you know, it's like you said, you can't go wrong picking the Rams. Everyone else is picking the Rams. I'll pick the Rams too. It's easy. Um, and a lot of times taking the hard side is the right side. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get burnt too, you know, taking that side. But when you're right, I mean, take it and enjoy it. But don't like it's the people that like stand up on that soapbox and say, oh, I, was, I had the Niners and no one else did today. Don't forget you had yesterday, you had the Raiders too. And the Raiders got smacked by the mm-hmm. Chiefs. So I mean, a lot of people that had the, the Niners on Monday night had the Raiders Sunday night. It's one and one. I mean, you know, I thought the Rams were going to win. We do, we record a podcast on Wednesday and we talked about the Rams game. I said, well, how are the Rams not going to win? I mean, they're going to beat the Niners. By Monday, I was like, Mm-mm, I definitely wouldn't be betting the Rams right now. I'm in trouble, but I like the under. So I was like, all right. And, and I should have known because when I'm really like on the under like that, it's usually a dog, you know, you dog and under favorite and over. And I just knew I was like, Oh boy. And then when he seven, seven or 14, seven, whatever it was, and he threw an incompletion and they went down and scored. I'm like, we're done. That's it. It's over. I went on, I was on the sports grid at the time in game live. They're like, what do you think? The game's at halftime. I said, the Rams ain't coming back tonight. I said, the Niners are running the ball and that's the beauty of it, too. Like, you can see stuff now and bet stuff in-game. The in-game betting is going to change the way you do business because you can fix bad positions or bad pregame thoughts when you're watching it going, I ain't, a, I ain't got no shot. I mean, my Rams minus four is bad. I got to get some Niners minus three or minus six or whatever it is to cover that. If I middle myself, that's, you know, that's even worse. But I'm losing that Rams bet. They ain't coming back. So, that's the that, that's another fun aspect that's completely changing this business. Well, Dave, you talked about sports grid. I know we got to get you out of here because I think you're tuning into that here in just a few minutes. But we wanted to wrap up and just do sort of one fun thing. So if anyone who follows Dave, you know he does his story time for the book or a question for the book. Well, he'll yep. take take our questions. Completely non-sports related question we got Love here it. for you. So perfect. Um, we want to know. Imagine you had a, a great Sunday at the books, cashed in on everything. You call, you call Mrs. Consig up and you say, honey, get dressed. We're going to dinner tonight. Ooh, Daddy's I paying just... for dinner. I, I think the world wants to know, what hat are you telling her to get, grab for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and where are you taking the wife in Vegas for a well, special dinner? What's your what's your spot out there? So, I, um, you know, on my Twitter feed, I have the picture of me in that tuxedo that I wore to the Circuit Grand opening. And nice that, top hat. Yep. that has that hat. So yep. that's the special occasion hat. She don't really like it that much. She did that night, but, you know, we don't break that one out often. But if we're going out to a nice dinner, I'm going to wear at least a nice shirt or something. I'm going to wear that hat. So I got to get that hat. Where are we going? It all depends on what she wants because sometimes it's Italian and there's a couple of great places in town that we could sneak over to. But usually it's a nice big steak. Like it's just a nice ass steak dinner. That Andy Almo down at the D is unbelievable berries down at circa excellent excellent but there's a place down behind the hard rock i can't remember the name it's it's we used to go there before the kids got a little older we used to go there every new year's eve for dinner and that was our night like we we had grandma babysit the kids and we would sneak out act like grown-ups have a bottle of wine have a nice dinner You'll see as these kids get older, you can't always do that stuff. And then, you know, you can't even stay awake 
at least not like till midnight. Now it's like a pick them if you can even stay awake. <laughs> so um, that's where that's probably where we would go. Um, keep it kind of low key, but um, a nice bottle of wine, a nice you know New York steak. Um, she might get the fillet, a lot of sides, and then. For sure, we're getting a dessert. We're probably going to argue about which one we're going to get, and we'll probably have to get two because she's going to want the one with all the chocolate. I don't like the chocolate, so I'm going to probably either get the creme brulee or some other kind of sorbet or some stuff, and that's a hell of a night right there. Baby, you sound just Beautiful. like me and my wife. My wife's the chocolate. I'm not. I go for the cheese. Give me a good slice of cheesecake. So, a little, little raspberry, but it's yeah. always it's a two dessert meal whenever we're <laughs> you got to do it. You got, <laughs> yeah. it's a two team parlor. You can't <laughs> pick just one. The dessert is a two game parlor. You know, you're going to pay it's way overpriced, yeah. but I don't yeah. want to eat that chocolate. It, no. I don't like it's too much. It's not worth the calories. Having no. all that chocolate food no. come out of everywhere. No, so good. So good. <laughs> well, shout out to the consig. He's at Sportsbook consig on Twitter. Everybody make sure you listen to the cash considerations podcast get more of Dave. Those guys do a phenomenal job. Dave, you're on sports grid. You got the new show. Are you yep. more proud of the new show or of the TikTok? I don't know if you want to pump the TikTok for little consig. Well, man, little consig has kind of taken over. I mean, she, she was the absolute blessing in my life when I thought we were done and my dad had just passed away and somehow we got blessed with you know, getting pregnant. I mean, I know how it happened, but I'm still not sure how it happened. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I get a third kid. I mean, I'm 51 and I got a seven-year-old. So in 10 years, 11 years, when she graduates, I'm going to be 61 or 62 at the high school graduation. I'm going to be that dad. They're going to be like, Hey, your grandpa's here. No, nope, that's <laughs> my dad. That's my dad. But she has taken over my whole world. I mean, and I'm better now than I was as you're going through it when they're little, you don't know what you're doing and you're working all this time and stuff. So little consig TikToks. I mean, I'm trying to negotiate a two time a week deal with her. She said it's only a Sunday thing. So I'm very proud of that. But the new show is going to be on props.com. We're calling it the Bostonian versus the book. It's me and Matt Peralt. Um, we're going to do it daily. Uh, the plan is at least to start for one hour where we're going to talk about the business and we're going to talk about our lives and what it's like to live in Vegas, be girl dads, raise kids, be in this crazy business, do shows all over the country, talk about games and lines. It's going to be so much fun because we've been doing it anyway. We, him and I have been doing a, a segment two or three times a week for three or four years now. And so many people talk to us about doing something similar and then, props came to us and said we want this show we want you to here's the deal let's get it done and it, it just kind of literally today so on the c-note episode you guys are the first people that i get to say i got a show like so now i'm officially a media guy maybe a completely former book guy although people keep trying to listen it's like that line in the godfather just when i thought i was out they pull me back in <laughs> every week or two weeks, somebody says, Hey man, you ready to come back on this side of the counter? Help us book the games. No, I'm not, not right now. I'm enjoying the time with the kids. I'm enjoying the coaching. The softball is, is over the top right now. The oldest is a freshman in college. She got a full ride for two year junior college here in town. My, my uh, junior, I'm coaching her and her friends and her team. Now we got places to go and people to see. We're going to be in California um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to let you boys know, maybe not too far no. from the house, come hang out by the field. 
you get to see the kids sing in action, coaching. I coach like I talk and like I'm a maniac, but it's so much fun. I might need one of you to coach one of the bases if you can handle it. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, man, it's fun. It's 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 a, it's a crazy crazy life. I'm so grateful and appreciative of all of it, and I can't wait to share it with people on this new daily show. Absolutely. Let us know when you're in California and we can't wait to check out the Bostonian versus the book. We got to get Dave out of here. Dave, if you would just remind everybody before we get out, what happens sometimes when you bet on the worst of the worst, the scum, the poop, maybe the Atlanta Falcons after getting their doors blown off last week, what sometimes happens. I'm going to do it myself this week, boys. I'm going to leave you with a game to think about between now and then. And hopefully Dennis comes on the other side. Jacksonville's going to beat San Francisco on Sunday. Plus the point's going to be good, but money line might be available. But, but if San Francisco turned their season around with that game Monday night and I'm on Jacksonville and you step in the shit, you just wipe it off your feet, get into the next game. It's a 10 o'clock game. There'll be some more piles of poop to go on in the late games and in the one o'clock session out West. And maybe we can find another one. Um, Cincinnati and Vegas, that's two steaming piles of poop. I don't know which one that you would go in there, but that's what you do in this business. Sometimes the poop comes out smelling like a rose. Sometimes it just smells like shit. Fade you, fade the fuck out of you.